That's just good, isn't it? God is so good. Man, thanks, Gary, team. Are you ready? Tell you what, as the kids make their way downstairs past the inflatable greeters we have in the uh, in the lobby there, going to be talking about God and ghosts this morning. With Halloween just a few days away, we're going to be searching the Scripture to see just what it says about suspicious spirits. Are ghosts real? Do some departed souls linger in this world, friendly or otherwise? What are we supposed to believe as followers of Jesus Christ when it comes to God and ghosts? Somebody here in the church sent me a news story week before last. They knew that this series or this message was coming up. And it was about the Bush twins uh, when they lived in the White House. And they had an encounter there that they shared in this story. Both of the girls uh, sleeping in the same bedroom were awakened uh, in the middle of the night. Uh, Jenna Bush said that her phone rang. So evidently ghosts have cell phones now. Um, that's what woke them up. And then once they were awake, they began to hear 1920s music, and I'm quoting, coming from one of the fireplaces in their bedroom. Scared them both to death, so much so they were afraid to get out of the bed and go jump in the bed with their parents, and so they just laid there until it stopped. And then a week later, they report that the same thing happened again, but this time it was opera music. And when they told a longtime White House employee, a fellow by the name of Buddy, about this, he responded, you wouldn't believe what I've heard around here. You can take that however you want. I just believe Buddy had an old record collection. No. Jenna Bush went on to say in this interview of the White House, she said, it's haunted. She said, it's scary, but they came with all good intentions. They're friendly ghosts. What do you make of that? We hear stories like that. All the time. They're a dime a dozen. How many of you have had some kind of encounter in that category that you just can't explain? A lot of people have. My wife just raised her hand. And I'm familiar with that one. I'm not going to share it with you, but I'm familiar with it. We all at least know somebody who has a story like that. Shows like Ghost Hunters and Paranormal State on television have fueled this fascination with ghosts and apparitions today. While psychics like Teresa Caputo, does anybody recognize that name? She's got like 12 million followers on Facebook. The Long Island Medium. Some of you will recognize that. The big blonde bouffant. Folks like her and others have turned talking to the dead into a multi-million dollar industry. What are we to believe about all this as followers of Christ? That's what I want to talk about today. 
A recent Pew Research poll revealed that 48% of Americans believe in ghosts. That's half of us believe in ghosts. That one in three people think that they have been in contact with the dead either through a ghost or a psychic or a medium. 30% of folks. But for evangelical Christians in a Barna study, it's interesting, that number is at one in five. So that means 20% of Bible-believing followers of Jesus Christ believe they have been in contact with the dead, either through a ghost or a medium. So this morning I want to take an honest look at what the Scripture has to say about ghosts and the spirits of those who've died. Do you know there's ghost stories in the Bible? I bumped into one this week that I had not seen before, and I've read the Bible through many times. I had never taken note of this. At least two of them, two ghost stories in the Bible that will make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. You're like, really? First one we find in the book of Job, this is the one that I had never taken notice of. And many of you, it's so obscure, probably have never heard of this. Job is the oldest piece of literature in the Bible. It is the first book and oldest book of all the books in the Bible, even Genesis, to be written. And so this, this ghost phenomenon, this, this spirit phenomenon is not a new phenomenon. Listen to these words of Job's friend, Eliphaz, as he shares his own ghost story. If you'll remember... God had given the enemy, given the devil, permission to attack Job. And the, the devil told God that he would bring Job down to a, per, a point where he would curse God. And God gave him permission, don't miss that, to do that to Job because of Job's faithfulness. And God did not believe that the enemy would be able to take him to a place of cursing God's name. And so, in the midst of all these, these horrible things that, that Satan did to Job, taking his family away, all of his material possessions, boils from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, I mean, just misery. Job has three friends that, quote, come alongside to try to give him counsel and encourage him. One of those friends is Eliphaz. And in Job chapter 4, Eliphaz is relating something that has occurred to him and, and that he has experienced. And the scripture says, amid quieting, disquieting dreams, these are Eliphaz's words, dreams in the night when deep sleep falls on men, fear and trembling seized me and made my bones shake. A spirit glided past my face, and the hair on my body stood on end. It stopped, but I could not tell what it was. A form stood before my eyes, and I heard a hushed voice. And that sounds like the preamble to a horror movie, doesn't it? And then the voice goes on to say this. It says, Can a mortal be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If God places no trust in his servants, 
If he charges his angels with error, how much more those who live in houses of clay, men, whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed more readily than a moth. Between dawn and dusk, they are broken to pieces. Unnoticed, they perish forever. Pretty encouraging. You know, at first glance, and I shared this passage, I didn't, the, the folks I shared this passage with this week, nobody, even those who had read Job many times, remembered reading this. And I shared it with several people. And at first glance, and, and, it, and it was the same from everybody at first glance, this sounds like it could be an Old Testament manifestation of the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? Kind of a, a God appearing and giving this message to Eliphaz. But man, I struggled with that. And so I took a deep dive into Job. I mean, it's been a long week. Took a deep dive into Job this week to try to figure out what is going on here. And as you look into Job, you find that Eliphaz, Job's friend, has been giving Job poor counsel. Counsel that is contrary to the character of God. And then Eliphaz uses this spooky dream encounter that he actually had, I believe, to confirm that counsel when he conveyed it to Job. Basically saying, sorry Job, man, I know you're going through a lot, but God finds you untrustworthy and he's just crushing you like a bug. But in reality... What was going on was exactly the opposite of that. Job was faithful and he had been found faithful by God. God tells us that up front. And then at the end of the book of Job, Job chapter 42, we read this. God says, I am angry with you. He's speaking directly to Eliphaz who conveyed this. He said, I am angry with you and your two friends because you have not spoken the truth about me. What's going on here? So this creepy encounter is not, I believe, with God. And it is not with the Holy Ghost. It is with one masquerading as God's messenger, trying to get Job to give up on God, which is the sole purpose of every suspicious spirit on the face of the earth. Don't miss that. To separate you eternally from a loving God. Paul put it this way, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he said, For Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light, as a friendly ghost. Casper was just a cartoon. There are no friendly ghosts. The Bible is crystal clear that the spirits of those who've died... Human beings, the spirits of those who've died, do not linger for any reason on this earth. You hear me? Job 7, as a cloud vanishes and is gone, so he who goes down to the grave does not return. He will never come to his house again with unfinished business. He will never come to his place, and his place will know him no more. There are no lingering human spirits here 
with unfinished business. No headless Civil War veterans searching for their head. And if you see a ghost, or if you hear a voice, it is not a wandering soul. It is the enemy of your soul trying to draw you away from the lover of your soul. As far as the Christian is concerned, those who have by faith surrendered their life fully to Jesus Christ and accepted the forgiveness that He affords us on the cross and placed our lives and our trust in the resurrection that gives us life for all eternity, as far as we are concerned, 2 Corinthians 5.8 is clear that when we are absent from the body, we are what, Ron? We're present with the Lord. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27. Man is destined to die once, and after that to face judgment. And from there, the souls of men move to either heaven, where they spend an eternity with our loving God, or they move to hell, where they spend an eternity separated from God. There are no revolving doors in the afterlife. The Scripture is crystal clear on that. Jesus made it clear in the parable of the the rich man and Lazarus. Do you remember that? Both the rich man and Lazarus, the beggar who was outside of the gates of the rich man, both die. The rich man immediately goes to hell or Hades, as Luke chapter 16 tells us. Jesus is conveying this story. The beggar immediately goes to Abraham's bosom or heaven. And there begins this dialogue. The rich man begs God or the God of Abraham to send Lazarus, who is in heaven with him, to the rich man who is in hell, and he's still ordering this little guy around. And he says, send that guy to me. Tell him to go dip his finger in some cold water and put it on my tongue. It is hot down here. And God responds with these words. Between us and you, between heaven and hell, a great chasm has been what? Fixed. So that those who want to go from here to you cannot, from heaven to hell, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. There are no revolving doors in the afterlife. Jesus makes that clear. The scripture is is clear that ghosts, apparitions, voices, friendly or otherwise. And I think that is so important to remember. But yeah, but they were nice to me. It was pleasant music coming out of the chimney. They are not the lingering souls of men or women. They are manifestations of Satan and his servants with the sole intent of separating people from the love and the grace of God. Many trying to convey the message that you don't need Jesus. Many through the mediums that we see that are so popular online and in our culture today convey the message that 
that, that you have a loved one who has gone on, who has crossed over, and yet this medium has brought them or, or can, can talk to them or even see them, and they're saying that they're great, they're okay, they can't wait until you come to them. And, and, and if you know that those folks did not receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, what is the message in that? I'm good, man. I don't need Jesus. That's the bottom line of what's going on with all of that confusing stuff out there when it comes to mediums and psychics. God told His people before they entered the promised land this. He said, Let no one be found among you who practices divination or sorcery, interprets omens, engages in witchcraft, or casts spells, or who is a medium or a spiritist, or who consults the dead. Let no one be found doing that. Anyone who does these things is detestable to the Lord. So God is adamantly opposed to this activity. Isaiah 8. When people tell you to consult mediums and spiritists who whisper and mutter, should not a people inquire of their God? Why are we going? I know Christians who go to these people. Or I've. Why consult the dead on behalf of the living? And this stuff comes in all different forms and fashions, man. You've got to be careful what you're getting into out there. The mediums you see on TV and elsewhere are charlatans at best, pure evil at worst. Most are both. Maybe even unawares. Which brings us to the second ghost story that we see in the Bible. You'll probably be more familiar with this one. It is the story of King Saul and the witch of Endor. 1 Samuel chapter 28, if you've got your Bibles with you. When Saul saw the Philistine army, he was afraid and terror filled his heart. A little backstory here. God had very clearly and specifically removed his spirit and no longer spoke to King Saul because of King Saul's unfaithfulness. You remember that? He says, I'm going to remove my spirit from Saul and I'm going to place my spirit on who? King David. Okay? That's the backstory here. This, this is all this winding down, okay? When Saul saw the Philistine army which was surrounding him, he was terrified. He inquired of the Lord. God said, I'm not talking to you anymore. But the Lord did not answer him by dreams or Urim or prophets. If you're wondering what Urim is, it was something that the priests in the temple wore in their breastplate. That, that was used for sort of godly divination, if you will, to consult God and the Holy Spirit, all right? And, and God spoke through that. But God had removed his spirit from Saul, and so God no longer spoke to Saul. And so Saul then said to his attendants, Find me a woman who is a medium in direct disobedience to God's word that we've just read. So I may go and inquire of her. He was panicked. 
He didn't know what to do, and God wasn't talking to him, so he would go to anybody. He was desperate. And one of his buddies says, hey, there is a medium in Endor. And so Paul disguised, Saul disguised himself, putting on other clothes. And at night, he and two men went to see this woman, this witch in Endor. And he said, consult a spirit for me and bring up for me the one that I name. And then the woman asked, who shall I bring up for you? Listen to these 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 interesting little subtle things that this medium said. Well, who do you want me to bring up for you? Who are you looking for? Okay. Now bring up Samuel, he said. Samuel is the prophet that anointed Saul and anointed David. Bring up Samuel, he said. And then when the woman saw Samuel, the witch, she cried out at the top of her voice. Like, what in the world? And the king said to her, don't be afraid, what do you see? So Saul does not see Samuel. Okay? Only the witch sees Samuel. And the woman said, I see a spirit coming up out of the ground. Well, what does he look like? He. And she said, an old man wearing a robe is coming up. How many old men in Saul's day do you think wore robes? That's a, a very general tactic uh, of, of a medium and a psychic is to throw all these things against the wall that are really general until you bite on one. So I see an old man in a robe coming up. And I believe that she actually did see this. Then Saul knew it was Samuel. And he bowed down and prostrated himself with his face to the ground. He still doesn't see him. But Samuel then says to Saul, Why have you disturbed me by bringing me up? What appears to be Samuel. I am in great distress, Saul said. The Philistines are fighting against me and God has turned away from me. He acknowledges it. He no longer answers me, either by prophets or by dreams. So I have called on you to tell me what to do. And Samuel said, why do you consult me, or what appeared to be Samuel, that the Lord has turned away from you and become your enemy? So why are you calling on me? The Lord has done what he predicted through me, this spirit says. The Lord has torn the kingdom out of your hands and given it to one of your neighbors. He's given it to David. Because you did not obey the Lord or carry out His fierce wrath against the Amalekites, the Lord has done this to you today. Brought the Philistines upon Him. The Lord will hand over both Israel and you to the Philistines. And tomorrow, you and your sons will be with me. With Samuel? The Lord will also hand over the army of Israel. To the Philistines. You know I struggled with this. There are commentators. Many of which believe this. Was the ghost of Samuel. If you will. That God was using. To speak to Samuel. I disagree. Wholeheartedly. I believe it was something entirely different. This entire encounter. Stands in contrast. To the character 
and the Word of God, and what God has already conveyed to Saul. When Saul inquired of God, God refused to answer him through the usual means. It says it. He inquired of the Lord, but the Lord did not answer him. Then in defiant disobedience, Saul consults a medium to get his answers. You think God rewards defiant disobedience? He hasn't in my life. And we're to believe that God then decided to give Saul what he wanted and answer him through a ghost conjured up by a witch. I don't think so. Once again, the enemy of Saul's soul manifest as an angel of light to gladly be the bearer of his demise, of his eternal separation from God. Saul would take his own life. Saul committed suicide the very next day on the battlefield. You know, it's interesting as we look at both of these ghost stories, first with the story in Job and then with Saul, the ghost shows up in the midst of what? In the midst of desperation and misery. In a very, very vulnerable moment. With words not of hope, but of discouragement and defeat. Both of these spirits and the words they conveyed were meant to take the life of these two men. In Saul's case, it worked. The enemy's tactics remain the same today. Man, be careful where you seek counsel. Billy Graham said this, He said, the Bible is very clear. If we want to please God, we will avoid everything that has anything to do with the occult, even if it seems innocent or harmless on the surface. Occult practices of any kind could involve you with spiritual forces that are opposed to God and are, in fact, in league with the devil. We've just about normalized and trivialized this stuff in our culture today. And we've got to be careful with it. We've got to be careful with it. We've got to be careful how we're articulating and conveying these things to our children. I'm not saying do away with Halloween. We're not in that camp. But be careful and make sure that you are communicating to your children Exactly what's going on here. Are ghosts real? That's the question we want to answer this morning. Are ghosts real? Depends on how you define them. Do wandering spirits of the dead exist? No. No. Are there demonic forces at work seeking to steal, kill, and destroy? To use every tactic they can to separate you and every other human being in this world from God for all of eternity, you better believe there are. 
You better believe there are. The Apostle Paul put it this way in Ephesians chapter 6. He said, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Man, but as Gary has so beautifully articulated already to us, as followers of Jesus Christ, We have absolutely nothing to fear. Jesus has conquered sin. He's conquered death. And He's conquered the grave. He's conquered the enemy on our behalf. The only good ghost is the Holy Ghost. And in Him, the Scripture is clear. We are signed. We are sealed. And we are delivered. So who are you going to call? Psalm 145. The Lord is near to all who call on Him. To all who call on Him in truth. He fulfills the desires of those who fear Him. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you for the truth. We thank you for the assurance of salvation. We thank you for the one who did rise from the dead once and for all. Father, we thank you for Jesus who conquered the enemy of our souls, who conquered sin, death, and the grave. And we thank you for the only good ghost the third person of the Trinity who has sealed and protected those who believe for all eternity. I pray that prayer in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.